Hello again, Steve Dunkley with you for Astronomy Daily. It is the 4th of December, 2023. And as always, a big hello to Hallie, who's been hanging around the ether looking for stories from the Astronomy Daily newsletter. Hello, Hallie. That's right. More tales from orbit and beyond today and every day, Steve. Nice to be back in the Newcastle studio with you. Nice to have you on deck again, Hallie. What's cooking? Well, I know you're a keen science fiction fan, Steve. Did you know that it was the 50th anniversary of a famous animated sci-fi feature movie this week? Oh, animated science fiction. Um, which one was that one, Hallie? Do you remember the French production Fantastic Planet? Oh, Fantastic Planet. I sure do remember that one. I saw it at the old Chelsea Theatre in East Maitland here in the Hunter Valley. It was part of a double feature touring the theatres in Australia that summer. And what was the other movie? Um, Let me think. Um, uh, Crystal Voyager. It was a surf film with the soundtrack by Pink Floyd. It was a big summer for me, that one. So you got your sci-fi, surf and Pink Floyd all rolled into one movie ticket. (laughs) Yeah, I guess you could say that. Fantastic Planet, that was a really strange one, a psychedelic trip into another world where the usual just doesn't belong. And as teenagers, it had us scratching our heads. I can't believe that is 50 years ago, half a century. Thanks, Hallie. I think I'll go have a a lie down now. (laughs) Silly human. Maybe you should lie down. Even the old Chelsea Theatre isn't there anymore. Oh, great. Thanks for making me feel so ancient and decrepit, Hallie. Oh, boy. Anyway, so what's on the menu, Hallie? Right. So we've talked about Fantastic Planet already. Yes, I may yet recover. Well, I've got a little more about that classic for our science fiction fans, just like you, Steve. Terrific. There's news of Hubble's gyroscope issues. NASA is trying to work that out. Yes, I heard that one of three gyros is out of action, Hallie. That's right. It's been dropping out since November 19th, twice in fact. But NASA says the space telescope can be reconfigured to operate with only one gyroscope if necessary. Well, that's neat. It remains to be seen what they come up with. But Steve, keep in mind that the spacecraft had six new gyros installed during the final shuttle mission in 2009 and to date three of those gyros, including the one that is now experiencing fluctuations, remain operational. Well, that sounds like a job for NASA's finest. It sure does. And I know you love talking nebulas and FRBs, so I found a great story about both. Oh, Hallie, stop teasing. It's true. And of course, no week would be complete without another SpaceX Starlink launch. And did I hear correctly that uh, SpaceX has approval for another 30,000 Starlink craft? Stay tuned, human. Are you going to keep us in suspense? Okay. Well, that sounds like a colourful collection of tasteful tales, Hallie. And while I go and get a zesty lemon pick-me-up, the stage is yours. Thank you, Steve. Here are some tales from the Astronomy Daily Newsletter. In the immersive arena of global animation where anything is possible, director René Lalua's counterculture gem, Fantastic Planet, La Planète Savage, remains unrivaled in its strange and surreal fable set on the pastel-hued alien planet of Igum. And today, on the occasion the French movie's milestone 50th anniversary, its themes and symbolisms feel even more relevant than when it originally premiered due to its detailed world-building.
haunting characters and musician Alan Garager's jazzy rock score that leaves an entrancing effect on adventurous souls who fall victim to its innumerable emotional charms. This cult feature film rattled the inventive medium starting back on December 1, 1973 when it was first released and has remained a touchstone of inspiration and influence for generations ever since. Its politically charged allegory of violent oppression set on a bizarre world is injected with hot-topic Earth-like issues of racism, animals' rights, tyranny and enslavement, all presented here for viewers' moral meditations while being embraced in a delirious animated dream. NASA is troubleshooting Hubble's gyroscope issue to resume its science operations, ensuring its continued astronomical discoveries alongside telescopes like the James Webb. NASA is working to resume science operations of the agency's Hubble Space Telescope after it entered safe mode on November 23 due to an ongoing gyroscope issue. Hubble's instruments are stable, and the telescope is in good health. The telescope automatically entered safe mode when one of its three gyroscopes gave faulty readings. The gyros measure the telescope's turn rates and are part of the system that determines which direction the telescope is pointed. While in safe mode, science operations are suspended, and the telescope waits for new directions from the ground. The team is now running tests to characterize the issue and develop solutions. If necessary, the spacecraft can be reconfigured to operate with only one gyroscope. The spacecraft had six new gyros installed during the fifth and final space shuttle servicing mission in 2009. To date, three of those gyros remain operational, including the gyro currently experiencing fluctuations. Hubble uses three gyros to maximize efficiency, but could continue to make science observations with only one gyro if required. Astronomers from the Netherlands have provided compelling evidence linking a repeating fast radio burst source to a potential hypernebula. The team has made significant strides in understanding these mysterious cosmic phenomena and the research marks a notable advancement in the study of FRBs and their origins. Fast radio bursts are fleeting but powerful bursts of radio waves, originating billions of light years away. Some, like FRB 20121102A, are known to repeat, offering valuable insights into their nature. The recent focus, however, has been on FRB 20190520b, a new repeating source. We were able to constrain the size of the potential hypernebula FRB 20190520b to be less than 30 light years in diameter, which is three times the size of the Crab Nebula in our own Milky Way galaxy. The team estimates the luminosity of this object to be around 100,000 times that of the Sun, showcasing its extraordinary energy. A leading theory suggests they are produced by magnetars, highly magnetic neutron stars. These stars, which are remnants of supernovae, could emit a powerful wind of charged particles, forming a nebulous region in their vicinity. Another intriguing possibility is that the hypernebula is powered not by magnetic decay, but by gravitational potential energy. This would imply FRBs being produced in the powerful outflows from a black hole or a neutron star consuming matter from a nearby companion star at extremely high rates. Astronomers continue to grapple with the origins and nature of FRBs. These latest findings, while shedding light on some aspects, also raise new questions about the diversity of astronomical objects capable of producing such intense radio bursts. SpaceX added 23 more satellites to its Starlink Internet constellation on Saturday night, December 2. 
a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket carrying the communications satellites lifted off from Florida's Cape Canaveral Space Force Station at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, for a clock GMT on December 3. The Falcon 9's first stage came back to Earth for a vertical landing about 8.5 minutes after launch. It touched down on the drone ship, a shortfall of Gravitas, which was stationed in the Atlantic Ocean off the Florida coast. It was the sixth launch and landing for this particular booster, according to a SpaceX mission description. The 23 Starlink satellites, meanwhile, were scheduled to deploy from the Falcon 9's upper stage into low Earth orbit, LEO, about 65.5 minutes after liftoff. The Starlink network, which beams internet service down to people around the world, already features more than 5,000 operational spacecraft, according to astrophysicist and satellite tracker Jonathan McDowell. But that number keeps growing and likely will far into the future. SpaceX already has permission to deploy 12,000 Starlink craft into LEO, and it has applied for approval for another 30,000 on top of that. Astronomy Daily, the podcast with Steve Dunkley and Hallie. Ah, yes. Thank you, Hallie, for all those wonderful stories. Uh, And they're straight off the Astronomy Daily newsletter, which you can receive in your email every day uh, to keep you informed about science, space science and beyond. Uh, Just go to these addresses, uh, spacenuts.io and bytes.com. That's B-I-T-E-S-Z.com. And just drop your email address in the slot provided and you'll receive that email in your Uh, you'll receive that newsletter in your email. It's full of lots of juicy tidbits and stories of everything that's relevant that's happening in the sky today. Now, you might have noticed the news report of North Korea's launch of a reported spy satellite last week. North Korea said Tuesday that its new spy satellite launched last week has photographed US government and military facilities, including the White House and the Pentagon. North North Korean leader Kim Jong-un received a briefing on the operations of the reconnaissance satellite and reviewed photographs of locations including Naval Station Norfolk, the Newport News shipyard in Virginia, the White House and the Pentagon. All this according to state-run Korean Central News Agency. It also added that four US Navy nuclear carriers and one British aircraft carrier were spotted in the photographs, they said. Imperious leader Kim also looked at the pictures of Rome, Italy and Anderson Air Force Base in Guam, the report added. State media has not released any photographs taken by satellite and military analysts have questioned the resolution and quality of the images it is capable of capturing. Pyongyang said it... Uh, successfully launched its homegrown Malingyong-1 reconnaissance satellite on November 21. 21. It marked the third attempt by the isolated regime to place a military spy satellite into orbit this year, after failures in May and August. And in more recent release, North Korea warned on Saturday that it would, quote, destroy U.S. space satellites, spy satellites, if Washington tries any attack on its space assets after Pyongyang launched its first military eye in the sky last week, as just reported. 
And not surprisingly, a spokesman for the North's Defence Ministry said it would consider such a move a declaration of war. The statement came after a US's official remark that Washington could deny an adversary's space and counter space capabilities using a variety of reversible and irreversible means, referring to the North's successful spy launch. The US military could undermine the, quote, effectiveness and lethality of adversaries forces across all domains. Cheryl Klinkle, a spokesman at the US Space Command, told Radio Free Asia this week. On Saturday, Pyongyang threatened to, quote, destroy US space satellites if Washington tries to violate the legitimate territory of North Korea, referring to its satellite program. North Korea is barred by successive rounds of U.S. resolutions from tests using ballistic technology and analysts say there is a significant technological overlap between space launch capabilities and the development of ballistic missiles. Experts have said putting a working reconnaissance satellite into orbit would improve North Korea's intelligence gathering capabilities, particularly over South Korea, and provide crucial data in any military conflict. Since last week's launch, the North has claimed its satellite has already provided images of major US and South Korean military sites. It has not yet disclosed any of the satellite imagery it claims to possess. Now, if the United States attempts to breach its space rights, the North's Defence Ministry spokesman said his country will, quote, consider taking responsive action measures for self-defence to undermine or destroy the viability of US spy satellites. And on a lighter note, here's more good news. We hope from the ESA, Europe's new heavy lift rocket has a firm launch date at last. The European Space Agency, ESA, Ariane 6 rocket from Ariane Space will bring its debut mission to space no earlier than June 15, 2024. Officials with the testing team announced Thursday... That's November 30. On board will be a set of small satellites, including two from NASA. Representatives added on a live-streamed briefing recently. After four years of delays for Ariane 6, progress is accelerating. A scale model of the heavy lift rocket also finished a critical hot fire on the pad last week. Coro French Guiana, which ESA director Josef Ashbacher said was a big milestone. He cautiously predicted that the launch will be somewhere between the 5th of June and the 31st of July next year, but also cited that it is rocket science that is at stake. Therefore, it is to be expected that there may be one or the other delays that can occur. Ariane 5 launched the European spacecraft for more than 25 years, sending more than 100 missions aloft between 1996 and 2003. Prominent missions included the James Webb Space Telescope, the Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer Juice and the Rosetta Comet spacecraft, not to mention a dozen or so Galileo navigation satellites that give Europe its own GPS access. Europe has emphasised that it requires independent launching access to space, but lately it has been reliant, much like much of the industry, on SpaceX, which launched the Euclid Dark Matter hunting mission on July 1. For example, after Ariane 6 debut launch continued to slip. Ariane 6 was conceived in the early 2010s to meet a new generation of launching needs, lowering costs and launching more satellites to different orbits at once, for example after the ageing Ariane 5 design retired this July. 
but numerous technical obstacles and the COVID-19 pandemic got in the way of Ariane 6's planned gate opening mission in 2020. We were literally in crisis, Ashbaka said of the gap. He said the problem was compounded by poor communication about milestones and delays. Today, however, regular and detailed reports are now available to ESA member states, the public and journalists after Ariane 6 task force meetings. We have learned our lessons, Ashbaka said, acknowledging the help of Ariane Space, Ariane Group and the French National Space Agency in addressing issues as they arise. We have been sitting together and we have taken very clear action to overcome the crisis, as we call it. It literally was a crisis. We had to get out. And let me say that we have done this together. This is not ESA alone. And won't it be great to see the uh, European Space Agency joining the new space race for real uh, with regular flights? Exciting news. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening in. It's been Astronomy Daily for another week. Each week you'll find myself, Steve Dunkley, on Mondays, Tim Gibbs on Fridays, and from either end of the globe, because the world is not flat. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll find all the back episodes of Astronomy Daily, as well as our parent podcast, Space Nuts, with Andrew Dunkley and Professor Fred Watson. They can be found at these places, bites.com, that's B-I-T-E-S-Z, or if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, bitesz.com or spacenuts.io. Go to those addresses. And uh, also jot your email address in the slot provided to receive the Astronomy Daily Newsletter and receive all the news about space, space science and beyond. Thanks for staying with us. This is Steve Dunkley for Astronomy Daily. See you next time. Astronomy Daily, the podcast. With your host... Steve Dunkley.